Good morning, and welcome to another Mini Monday episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, we're going to be telling you about the wrongful conviction of Clement Aguirre Jarquin. Pour yourself a strong cup of joe, and let's dive on in. This wrongful conviction episode, like all of our others, is coming from the Innocence Project website. For those of you that do not know, the Innocence Project is a nonprofit organization that, by their definition, exonerates the wrongfully convicted through DNA testing and reforms the criminal justice system to prevent future injustices. This organization is widely known for the many cases in which they successfully proved a person's innocence. For each wrongful conviction mini-episode, the information we are presenting can be found on innocenceproject.org. On the morning of June 17, 2004, 47-year-old Cheryl Williams and 68-year-old Carol Burress were found stabbed to death in their home in Altamont Springs, Florida. Mark Vincent called police shortly before 9 o'clock in the morning, saying that he discovered the bodies when he stopped to pick up clothes for his girlfriend, Samantha Williams. Samantha was the daughter of Cheryl and the granddaughter of Carol, and she lived with them, but the previous night, she had spent the night at her boyfriend Mark's house. The autopsy report showed that Cheryl had been stabbed 129 times and had bled to death. Her body was found blocking the front door, and Carol was partially paralyzed because she had suffered a stroke years back, and she was laying on the living room floor next to her wheelchair and had been stabbed twice. So it sounds like maybe they were targeting Cheryl? That's kind of what I gathered, you know, 129 versus two. It's also a lot of energy and time. Yes. Cheryl had severe wounds to her lungs and her leg, one of which severed her femoral artery, and she had been stabbed in the arms, legs, back, hands, feet, and chest, and the fatal wound being one stab to her left lung. She also had numerous defensive wounds and on her hands and feet, showing that it was a violent struggle. Carol had been stabbed in the back and died from the stab wound that went through her left ventricle. During the investigation, police found a 10-inch kitchen knife that was covered in blood between their house and the house next door, which when Samantha got to the crime scene, she said that she felt like the attacker was 24-year-old Clement Aguirre Jerquin, and he lived in the house next door with two roommates. He also worked at a restaurant where he washed dishes and prepped food. And so he had entered illegally into the U.S. after fleeing from Honduras because there was some drug gang issue that had happened. He fled for his own safety. Yeah, Honduras is known for a lot of their drug trafficking and problems related to that. So he came to the U.S. to get away from that. And so he was kind of you know, working at the restaurant because that was one of the places that would hire him. And around 11 o'clock, so about two hours after this was called in, the deputies go to his house and ask him and his roommates about it, but they say they have no idea. Did she have any reason to suspect him of it or she just... She said that he had previously been in their house, but then was eventually banned from the house several months previously because one night she woke in the middle of the night and found him hovering over her bed. Not super comforting. No, I don't think so. But that so that was why she kind of felt like maybe he had something to do with it. 
Later that day, Clement went to the police and said that he had been drinking during the night and had run out of beer. And the store wouldn't open for like another hour or so because it was around 5 a.m. So he went through the front door where Samantha lived, Cheryl and Carol, where they all lived. And when he got there, she was dead. Cheryl and Carol were dead. So he admits to being at the the scene. scene. Yes. To go in and get beer from them. Mm -hmm. So at the time, he was arrested for tampering with evidence from the crime scene. So at one point, was he friends with this family? Yes. So at one point in time, he was friends with Samantha and the family, but then he got a little creepy and they stopped letting him in the home. The bloody knife that the police had found also resembled one of the knives that was used at the restaurant where Clement worked. And the head chef told the police that one of the restaurant's 10-inch knives was missing, which was the same as the knife that was found. I mean, it all seems a little suspicious. I agree. It's not looking great. On June 25th, 2004, Clement was arrested on charges of first-degree murder and burglary. The autopsy also showed that the stab wounds on the victims were consistent with the knife that had been found between the homes. Police also found, in during their investigation, 67 bloody shoe impressions, and 64 of them were consistent with Clement's shoes. Police officers then got a search warrant for Clement's home, and there they recovered a plastic bag containing his underwear, socks, t-shirt, and shorts, and Cheryl's blood was found on all of the clothing, and Carol's blood was found on the t-shirt, shorts, and underwear. And the analyst that was working on this said that the blood stains were consistent with dropped blood. This is a wrongful conviction, right? This is a wrongful conviction. It's not sounding great for him. That's what I thought when I was reading through, and I'm like, Innocence Project, what you doing here? (laughs) Just wait. A fingerprint examiner also said that she was able to identify Clement's fingerprints on the knife. All of this stuff is talked about, obviously, during the trial for Clement. And some more things kind of come out. So Samantha goes up and testifies and tells the jury that she had spent the night with Mark. Mark testifies and says that she was there overnight. And Clement testifies that he had the day off before the murders. So he hadn't worked and his friends had drank through the day and the night and around 5 a.m., like I said, he walked to the house and that was when he discovered Cheryl's body. So there's his alibi-ish. And then what he goes into is he says that he gets into the house and she sees Cheryl. And so he grabs her body and pulls it into his lap and tries to revive her. And then he walks into the living room and finds Carol's body and the knife near Cheryl's body And he thought that the killer was still in the house. So he picked up the knife and screamed, is anybody here? Oh. And he didn't get a reply. So he went to Samantha's room to make sure she was okay and gets in there and she's not there. But her room had been ransacked. He testified that he ran home. And as he was running home, he tossed the knife into the grass because he realized he still had it in his hand. He then stripped off his clothes, put them in a plastic bag and washed himself off. And he said that he didn't call the police about what he'd found because he was an illegal immigrant and was afraid he would be deported if he called. Or that, you know, maybe it would look fishy, as it clearly did. I think it looks fishy. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. 
So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. On February 28th, 2006, so about two years after the murders, Clement was convicted of first-degree murder and burglary, and he was sentenced to death. Throughout this, I mean, I'm not going to go through every single time they went back to court because if I did, this episode would go forever. But Clement tried to have a retrial many, many times throughout the years. The Innocence Project steps in. They start reinvestigating some evidence. And in 2007, the fingerprint analyst who had said that the fingerprints of Clement were on the knife, they start to look at that and they realized that the print was impossible to read. And she just basically said that it was him because she felt like blaming it on him. I mean, the thing is, if he did pick up the knife, I mean, there'd be a chance his fingerprint would be on it from that anyway, even if he wasn't the murderer. Correct. So... I mean, if he was the murderer, then he came up with the perfect excuse to have his body and his hands and fingerprints at the scene of the crime. If he wasn't, it just kind of sucks. The Innocence Project then got DNA testing done on more than 80 pieces of evidence. Those tests showed that Clement was not a source of the DNA at the scene. And guess whose DNA was found at the scene? Was it Samantha or Mark's? Samantha. Oh, I kind of had a feeling. It was Samantha. So they... Also, during court, talk about Samantha having a history of mental illnesses, and she'd been taken to the hospital about 60 times for psychiatric evaluations. And one time that she was being transported to the, by the police, she was recorded saying that her mom and grandma had died for her. And so she testified, said, I'm obviously like, I'm not the killer. I didn't kill my grandma and my mom. And she did admit that she did have a violent temper and that she'd been treated for mental illness. And she then also admitted that on the night before the murders, she had been in an argument with her mother. So did they go back and talk to Mark? They did. That's actually where I'm going. So thank you. So Mark comes back and he says, all right, Samantha and I did go to bed at my house that night, but I was dead to the world and she could have left without saying anything during the night and I wouldn't have woken up, which I can relate to on so many levels. And by dead to the world, you just mean he was like asleep. He was heavy. Yes. Heavy asleep. They also find that a crime scene expert looks at the blood on Clement's clothing and determined that it was actually transferred because he picked up the victims and it wasn't blood splatter like originally said. Yeah, I can imagine that would look very different. Yeah. During all these trials, there's like four or five, six people that testify that Samantha admits to killing her mom and her grandmother. So a couple of these are one night Samantha was crying and making a stabbing motion towards her chest and... Samantha tells her friend that the demons made her do it. And this was after she had admitted to the murders. And then she's blaming it on the demons. A couple of her neighbors say that there were multiple instances where Samantha kept admitting to the murders. And there was apparently a neighborhood barbecue where she told her friend, quote, I'm crazy, I'm evil, and I killed my grandmother and my mother. Did any of these people come forward prior? I could not find that. I just found that they came forward during the trial and i'm wondering i mean i'm assuming they came forward first and then they were just used during the trial which is like i said he tried to go back to retrial multiple times and he finally got some but it didn't go very far it was in october of 2018 when a trial occurred and at that trial mark is no longer with samantha and he's married now to this new girl and she comes forward and says that he told her samantha had woken up during the night 
and said that she had a bad feeling about her mother. And so he offered to drive her home so they could check on her. But Samantha says, no, I'll just, I'll go by myself. And that he should come to the house in the morning to pick up a load of laundry. So Mark says, yes, Samantha did leave the house on the night of the murders. She went out the bedroom window. Clement was released on a federal immigration court bond after the U.S. Department of Homeland Security placed an immigration hold on him. And as of January 2019, they had filed a petition for the judge to declare him a wrongfully convicted person in the state of Florida. But it may it was dismissed because apparently it was filed too late. So there was I didn't even go into everything, but there was a lot of hoops that Clement had to jump through to even get to the point of being released from prison and being taken off of death row. It's really sad that you can basically be proven innocent and then still have to go through these things before you can leave it's it's a bummer it is the reason i did this episode today about the death penalty is because this coming thursday we are actually going to be releasing an episode about the death penalty where we talk about pros and cons and history on it and a whole bunch of different stuff Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.